Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you just fine. I am. We're live. Just like that. Question one, is Razor shorter than Stevon? No. uh, no. (laughs) Uh, But I do look into his eyes, but he's definitely not shorter than me. When you met him, was he shorter than you thought he would be? Um, no, I mean, I knew he was about like, was he five seven? Is five he eight. that tall? Okay, yeah, I'm five five. Okay, I think he's about five seven. I mean, he's significantly shorter than me. <laughs> How tall are you? Um, I'm about six foot. I think oh, I'm shit. like, I have, I have a picture when I was up there next to Jason, and I think he's a little bit taller than me. Um, but we're like towering over Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. God, you know, what was crazy, Justin, when I saw, um, when I was back there at the games and granted, you know, she had been, she'd been working hard. I saw Katra next to Matt. Yeah. And when Kat, you know, it, she's, I don't know, eight workouts into the weekend and she's just swole. I mean, everyone got crazy swole, but yeah. she looked, she even looked massive next to Matt. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, yeah. Well, Grant too, and you know, in Matt's defense too, he's he been injured with the, that knee injury for a while. Um, so he had lost some weight just from not working out as much. He looks great. Yeah. Hey, I bet you, I bet you, he feels great too. I bet you, he feels incredible. Like just not, you know, maybe not psychologically. I don't know. I don't know if he if he uh, works out for medicinal reasons, but he looks great, and it yeah. probably feels good to be lighter, right? And he, and he definitely didn't get fat, so his eating's tight. I mean, he looks great. No, like he – I I would be shocked if he still couldn't, like, qualify for, like, a semifinal at this point. Well, now everyone can. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin doing uh, – thanks for coming on the show. I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how you popped up on my radar, but what a, what a cool thing you do. You are a father. You're, uh, you're still an active duty uh, police officer. Yep. Yep. I'm a, I work for, uh, Arlington, Texas police department. I work for their, uh, their SWAT team full time. Is, is SWAT team full time or SWAT team? Just, I always thought SWAT team was like something that you like, you're a cop and then you're like SWAT on the side. Like that's what you do. Like two hours a weekend, once a month or something. Yeah, I guess it depends on the the actual city size. Um, right. so in Arlington, they have that. They have a part time team. Uh, we actually have two part time teams. We have two full teams um, in the Arlington Police Department. So, like, kind of way you start out is trying out and get on to the part time team. And as openings come up and people move to other spots from the full time team, they just backfill it with part time guys. How long were you on the part time team? Uh, I got on there. I think it was January of 2019, so a few years. Uh, and then, and and then in 2022, you were the CrossFit Games fittest cop in America. And was that the? Did they have that? Was the last year they did, they didn't do occupational games in 2023? No, they didn't. Uh, I think yeah, I think 2022 they had it 
I think in 2021, I didn't do it in 2021, but uh, 2022 was the, the last year they did it. How cool was that? Were you pretty stoked on that? Fittest cop in America from no doubt the most legitimate measurement of fitness on planet Earth today. It's pretty that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a neat concept to throw in there, um, especially when you look at the professions that were categorized in, within that, um, you know, fire, police, uh, military, EMS. Uh, I think they had like doctors and nurses in there, too. And teachers, I think. Um, School teachers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, nurses, doctors, they had all that. Yeah. And I thought it was before the, the occupational games came out, I'd always said it would be interesting to see, to test yourself among other police officers within within the world, essentially. Just off the mere fact when you when you think of the type of work that they do, the, the constant just adrenaline spikes and dumps and spikes and dumps working crappy hours it it surely is going to affect your your ability to perform with recovery and all these things um so i always thought it was a neat concept and when they came out with it i thought it was i thought it was great and then and and then also all the gear the demands of the gear maybe not so much with um a, a lot of those jobs but definitely fire uh, yeah. de definitely uh, military, definitely uh, police officers. You guys are just carrying a bunch of shit on you all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just from going from basic patrol, uh, patrolman, just the duty belt alone, just constantly weighing, weighing down on your hips. And, you know, a SWAT, we wear a lot more armor, um, so that, that'll weigh down on you. What is the SWAT? What is the SWAT outfit way? The whole, the whole shebang with the gun and everything. You're, you're running up the stairs to get positioned somewhere. How much, how much additional stuff is on you? Uh, I know that, so I weigh about 205 without anything. And with all of my gear, so that's just the plate carrier there. Like with all my actual gear, if I'm on a call, um, the vest is heavier, you your helmet, rifle, everything. I think I weigh about 260 to 265. Wow, that's no joke. And that's average weight on the team. So, so, so 60 pounds of stuff. What's the heaviest thing? The gun or the bullets? No. Oh, the armor, the armor, yeah, your vest, your vest just has all this stuff hanging off of it. Do you put that on every day? Do you put that on five days a week at, at some point during the day? No. So we, we run play carriers if we're just out in the street, um, just cause it's way lighter. Um, but if we're on a, any kind of operation, that's, that's what we throw on is the heavy vest and get everything on um can you tell me what a typical day is like for a full-time uh swat team guy yeah, I, I when mean, i think of swat team i think of you as like firefighters like just like sitting in a room playing cards and then a bell goes off and you guys run out and, but, <laughs> but i'm guessing it's not like that it, it honestly depends just on you know the warrants that we serve and operations that we plan is based off of other investigative units um so, so you do warrants too. I get I let me take you back even step. What is SWAT team? Because I, I in my mind, SWAT team is like, hey, there's a dude who's crazy in a house, and you guys have to like cordon off the area around and then like wait for him to come out or shoot him if he walks in front of a window. Like that, like Yeah, so that's that's what everyone thinks of SWAT. Like the we call right. it like barricaded persons, um, right. or like hostage rescue type stuff. Um, but we we run planned warrants, so like I said, like the investigative units, like like 
taking a narcotics unit. They do their case. They get a warrant signed by the judge, and now we run the warrant to secure location for them. How about the mayor? How about the mayor of New York, who they just took his cell phones away from him? Was that SWAT team that did that? Like they just walked up to him on the street and grabbed his shit, and they're oh, like, "Hey, dude, we is that a SWAT team? Would you ever do that? Just walk up to a pol? They're like, "Hey, we got a warrant on this politician. Would you no, guys roll up on? No, oh. it'll probably be the investigative unit. Okay. Um, oh yeah, here Ken says it was the FBI. Okay, there you go. Um. Yeah, there has to be a certain um, threat matrix, like a certain number on a threat matrix where it's dangerous, just dangerous enough or way too dangerous for anybody else to be able to go and serve the warrant or do this operation. So they bring in SWAT just because of the special skill sets that we have and that we train on in order to. Uh, is that the oh risk assessment? Yeah, assessment uh, warrant for property, warrant for crime against person, warrant for major drug possession. Section two, warrant for property crime, warrant for crime against the person. Let me let me tell you something. Let me ask you something practical. Yeah. Let's say two months prior, they found a dead person in my rental car. And then they found out that the person I'm dating. Is and you have a warrant for the person I'm dating, and you're going to come to my house, and you know, and the person I'm dating is a known drug dealer and someone who carries a gun, but but you have to go get him with a warrant. Would is that SWAT team? Yeah, under that criteria, if we're going after a murder suspect, that would be SWAT. Well, team. you're not going after the murder suspect. You're going after the murder suspects. May uh, it's not. You're going after the murder suspects. Basically, that was the Bri I'm talking about the Brianna Taylor case. They found a dead body in her car two months prior, and then mm -hmm. when they went to her house, they were going to get or her boyfriend's house. They're going to get the boyfriend who is a known drug dealer who is known to be carrying weapons. Yeah, that that would be a SWAT team that goes and gets that guy, right? Yeah. So based off all that intel, weapons and history, criminal history, all that stuff, that's yeah, that's what helps formulate the matrix and what number to go off of if we're going to call SWAT or not. What um, uh, what what um. So, so do you have engagement with bad guys every day? Is your uh, job busy like that? On the SWAT team, not as much as the pro proactive team I used to be on when I was on part-time SWAT. Um, that unit is, they're strictly a, think of like a major street crimes proactive unit. Like they don't answer calls for service. We go through the entire city basically going to where all of our shootings, stabbings, robberies, stolen cars, all the bad stuff you can think of. That's where that team went. Um, so I was dealing a lot more with like bad guys and criminals and like on a daily basis there, um, you know, foot chases, car chases, starting to work barricaded persons, all that stuff. That was almost a, you know, nightly thing. Justin, if you go after someone who has a warrant, does that mean they already had an opportunity to turn themselves in and they didn't? So then like now you're like you're going to get them. Yeah, typically the investigator will try and contact them to let them to. Yeah, OK, show up and turn yourself in. Right. So by the time it's come to you, it's like, hey, uh, this person's probably not going to they don't want to go. Right. Not that anyone wants to go. Right. Well, people do. People do turn themselves in. You ever, you ever, do you know about the cases? You ever rolled up on someone and you're like, oh, I, I don't really want to take this person. Like, like you get there and it, it like, it's like a mom for, 
shoplifting not that i'm condoning shoplifting at all but you get there and she's breastfeeding and you got to take her in and you're like oh fuck what the fuck is this um there's somewhere there's somewhere they're similar to that situation for sure yeah. and yeah. like they still a judge still assigned a warrant for their arrest so they have to go to jail but we'll we'll do everything in our power to help them make accommodations or anything before we leave the scene things like that to help out it because it does we are put in kind of crappy situations like that sometimes but what about what about this what about this um i was i was filming a this is years ago uh, maybe i don't know 10 years ago i, I was filming this guy's I, I used to film people's like grow how i had this side hustle where i would film people's like marijuana grows and then mm -hmm. i would and then i would put like 10 marijuana grows on one dvd and then put them on ebay and sell them so like you if like you were uh the, the, i guess an indoor fucking farmer you could you could buy my dvd and see how other people were doing it and i was at this guy's house filming his setup it was massive and he was stealing electricity which is like really bad you know yeah and it's just that's a pretty serious crime and he said that uh, a week or, and this is when it was like crazy legal. This is when Washington state had laws before it had turned to pure anarchy. <laughs> and and I, I, I go in the house and, and I film and the guy's crazy. And he said that the FBI was there two weeks earlier looking for his stepson who was robbing banks on the yep. West coast of the United States. And I was like, yep. Oh shit. And then the FBI left and they didn't, they didn't charge him for anything for the weed or for the stealing electricity or anything. Cause they, they, they were like focused on what they wanted. Do you ever, do you ever, does that ever happen to you too? Like you, like, like you go to a house to get someone and then there's like a fucking meth lab in the bathroom and you're like, <laughs> um, not to that extent. No, uh, typically no. Um, now are there, I'm, sh you know, in Arlington, we're smack in the middle between Fort Worth and Dallas. Are there houses in Arlington? that are like that i'm i'm sure there are um but typically it's the we're going after on swat at least we're serving the warrants that are like the shootings the robberies the the stabbings those kinds of things where they have an arrest warrant for that person and then they also have a search warrant for their location for whatever evidence they need for the case yeah hey is that plant alive behind is that a real plant behind you or a fake plant no it's a fake plant Oh, okay. Who bought, who bought, what's the origins of that? Why would you buy a fake plant? I can't keep it up. I got too much stuff to keep up with. I can't be watering my plants. My wife's too busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how old are you, Justin? I'm 32. And uh, were, were you athletic? Are you, are you born and raised in Texas? Are you a Texas kid? No. Well, I was actually born in California. My father was in the Navy. So we, bounced around a lot when i was younger but i mainly grew up in wisconsin and um, when did you move to texas did you move there for the job yeah i moved down here in 2016 january of 16 and is that when you first became a, a cop yeah yeah i moved down here i got the job and they told me the academy starts in two weeks can you be here and i was like yeah i'll be here so i, I packed up my little chevy cruise at the time and moved down here and did you have your wife at that point no, no, no. I met her in 2018. So you're just a, you're, you were living in Wisconsin. Can you tell me the story? You're just a dude living in Wisconsin. Had you already gone to a police uh, academy in Wisconsin? No, I was actually, um, 
I had my EMT license. I was trying to be a firefighter. I was looking into it. And there was still something kind of missing for me. Um, but still knew I wanted to be in a profession that was similar. And so I just started looking at policing. And then I wanted to get out of the snow. And I love Texas. So I started looking at uh, just departments in Texas. And alphabetically, Arlington is in the oh. A's. Oh, yeah. I started looking up that, you know, good pay, good retirement. And they were the first one I landed on that didn't do the written test. Cause if I'm going to, you know, I was, I was just out of college. I didn't have a whole lot of money. And so if I'm going to take, you know, a flight or two down to Texas and spend the money, I want to put my face in front of a, a couple of people rather than just a name on a piece of paper. Um, and so I just, you know, went through like a month, month and a half long process of that and got hired on and moved down here. Ex- explain that to me again. I'm not following the the written test. So normally, if you want to apply to a a police, um, I don't know. Uh, I guess if you want to apply for a job to be a police officer, you have to fill something out online. And you didn't want that. You wanted an, an a live interview just right off the bat. Yeah, there's like service tests that you basically take a test and you'll get graded just like anything else on that test, and it your name just happens to fall. And if you're within that certain range of applicants, the number that they're looking for to bring on for an interview, then you'll get an interview. I wanted to eliminate that first step because my chances would be higher if I would just show up in person for a department, um, knowing I had to pay for, you know, one or two plane tickets with not having a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um, And so that's why I just did that. I just, Found, went down alphabetically, found Arlington. Um, it was a good city, good pay, all that stuff, and applied. Hey, it's kind of crazy, right? That you did that. It, it's like a, it's a pretty hardcore leap of faith, because yeah. that shit doesn't transfer. So you could have gone down there, like you know, I'm, I'm making the presupposition that as a cop, there, it's, it's this, it's a twenty, it's a twenty year job minimum. And right. so you sign, I have friends who are cops places and they've been a cop for like six years in one spot. And then the cost of living here in California skyrockets and they're like, fuck, I want to move. I'm like, yeah. why don't you? They're like, cause I don't want to lose my six years. Yeah. So, so you go down there, never being down there, get the job. It, it, you kind of got the job on the, do they say, Hey, we'll hire you if you pass the Academy. Is that how that works? No. So in Arlington, they, they host their own Academy. Some departments, do they'll send you off to an academy Uh, but arlington hosts their own and so basically the time that your start date in the academy you're a hired employee you're not a sworn in officer yet you have to go through the academy but they are paying you salary as an employee of the city um so do you just send a picture with your shirt off and you're like here i am let's do this (laughs) that's the only thing i sent here you go (laughs) yeah like don't be stupid yeah i'm gonna go to fort worth if you don't pick me yeah. <laughs> so you go down there and you do the interview and they say, okay, Justin, uh, doing, we, we, we dig you. We, uh, we're going to start paying you the, the money, go to the Academy. Don't fuck up. And, uh, we'll see you on the other side and get you on the street. Basically. Yep. And how long is that Academy? Um, it was just over six months at the time. Just about. So then you get, you go on the, you become a cop. And then we, we kind of – I don't know if we're out the other side of it yet, but then we went through this kind of two years of just cop hatred. Where you tr- Did you ever think, oh, what did I do? I chose the, like a job that the whole society – like 
you're doing your I, I think of being a police officer. I think of being a citizen is like you have a we have some duties and some obligations, you know, like take your trash out. Um, don't park in front of other people's mailboxes like so, you know, so the mail lady can just pull up and dump the shit in there and leave. Like we right. just kind of got like these partnerships. Right. Cop talks to you. You you know, you say hi, you wave. Say, they ask you to stop. You stop like just some things that allow shit to function. Right. Like right. that's the way like it's, 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 you, someone's broken down in the road. You, you don't just speed around and you roll down your window. You say, what's up? You need help. Right. Basic shit. Um, yeah. But that kind of went out the window. Uh, there was like this two year two year campaign. I feel like straight through COVID, where it was like you were seeing shit like defund the police. Yeah. And did did that suck? Did you ever think when that started this whole campaign against that occupation, where you like, oh no, what did I do? Like, no, I just no? I, you're always going to go through these. I mean, historically, policing has gone through these pendulum swings, if you will. Do they tell you that in the academy? Hey, just so you know, there could be like there's up and downs in our societal popularity. No, I mean, no, no, they didn't really say anything like that in the academy. But it's just one of those things that, you know, I mean, I mean, let's most times when you're stopped by the police, you know, everyone expects to get a ticket. Right. That's not always the case. But, you know, and every time you you run into a, an officer. Show and let me add this. Most times, you know, that you you did something wrong, too. Right. You know that your registration's out, your tail lights out. You know that you rolled through that stop sign. Right. You, you know what I mean? You yeah, know but, that you yelled out the window, fuck off, and now they're coming to ask you, hey, why, what's up? Everything good? Yeah. Like, you know? And then yeah. uh, it's it's the same when, like, you get a dispatch call and you show up to somebody's house, too. They're not they're not really thrilled that you're there. Right. Um, so there's always, <laughs> there's always that stuff. Right, but, right. Um, Especially if you're a young male, you don't want to deal with cops because you, you you know you're probably up to something. Right. Because that's what we do. We're up to shit. If we're not <laughs> doing something, we're up to something. Right, right. Um, but no, I mean, it always goes through these these swings and it's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of have to, as a police officer, sit back and really remember why you started in the first place. Um, and I'm sure, you know, 99% of police officers started because they wanted to help people. And whether that's, you know, helping people with um, community work or helping people by this dude just robbed me. Can you help me and go get him? Um, so when you kind of look back and think on the reasons why you started, it makes things a little bit easier to kind of get through, especially during when we go through a little bit harder times. Um, this. um this Isaiah six, eight you have on, on your Instagram, it says, uh, it says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's, uh, one of the verses that damn Caleb, you good. I didn't even send you the show notes. You good, Caleb. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of the verses that kind of stick in my head. Um, well, you just kind of said it in your own words, right? Right. That's why you be, you be, did you become a cop because you read this, or you found this after you were a cop? I found I actually found this during the academy. Um, mm -hmm. so I'd already became became a cop, or was in the academy. started down the road, yeah. Um, but I saw this, and I was like, "Yeah, like this is this is it. This explains it like perfectly." Um, so it's always it's always stuck with me. 
do you oh hold on hold on good morning david uh ladies find yourself a man that loves you as much as Sevon loves cop <laughs> um uh, uh judy reed uh Sevon justifying for always calling the cops his civic duty i'm, I'm on a uh, i go through these ebb and flows of of the chat being nice to me and we're on a real down we're on a real down <laughs> very 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 abusive it's become very trendy to be abusive to me yeah so you go through the same thing you go through that pregnancy <laughs> yeah I'm on, I'm on a i'm on a low here um you um did you have a tendency to help people um before you were a cop did you like are you like i give you an example um someone in line someone's in line in front of you and it's a cash only place and they don't know it and you know it and so you pay for their shit or like you see a lady like struggling to get her trunk open and she got holding the cart one bag of groceries you run over or like you is that you yeah there's, already like like what signs of you what signs did you know that like okay i'm made to help people um i mean i just that's kind of how i grew up just common courtesy things like that's how i look at it is like those are like common courtesy like <laughs> helping people um like if you have the awareness to see someone needs help uh, act on it right um yeah and like I, that's just kind of how i grew up um it, like sports i take it in sports um quite a bit like i did sports growing up my entire life i did about every sport growing up and it was always you see someone struggling like when your teammate struggling you know to me it was like it was reluctant reluctant upon me to go over and help them in any way that I could to make them better and to make our team better. It's kind of that same concept I look at as policing. It's no what, different. What sport did you play? Growing up? Yeah. I did every, like when I was little, I did every sport. I played ice hockey, football, basketball, soccer. I did swimming, ice hockey. Ben said that already. Uh, you think you became a cop to scratch that itch that you just want to be on, part of it is you just want to be on the team? That's part of it. Uh, I mean, look where I'm at now. I'm on a SWAT team. I work yeah. closely with 11 other guys on our team. Um, so there's always that team environment I've always surrounded myself with, for sure. Are, are, are a lot of the guys on the team religious? Is that, a, is that a component of the team? A lot of the guys have a are, are Christians? Um, I would say I would say most um, are. They have some sort of uh, background. Um, religious background and what they believe in um but we're also a bunch of like type a dudes that try and get after it <laughs> so it's uh it's it's interesting for sure um how did you meet your wife through crossfit at the gym at the affiliate yeah so we were at uh both at a different affiliate at the time and we had met and after a date or two um i think it was maybe maybe eight months to a year um, i had moved up closer to her and that's where we started both going to our new gym uh cowtown crossfit and uh wait, wait sorry say that again where, where did you meet her then so i met her at a gym uh it used to be called rocket crossfit um that was down closer to arlington and then when I moved up closer to her. But uh, how did you meet her there if it wasn't your gym? Were you doing a comp there? No, no. Rocket CrossFit was my gym. Oh. 
I lived in Arlington at the time because I was working for Arlington. Right. We lived up closer, like North Fort Worth. Okay. Um, but she had a connection to work at Rocket as well as a coach. Oh, like, oh, mm-hmm. oh. Okay, okay, okay. So um, she was your coach? Was she coaching classes you were taking? She was coaching classes. I never really did a whole lot of classes. We had a small group that just liked to work out a lot. And so uh-huh. they, had, they had kind of an open gym room in the back uh, or area that we would always go to. And that's where we would basically work out a lot. Um, and you saw her and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I like this. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then I moved up and then um, now we both go to Cowtown CrossFit, which is in North Fort Worth. Um, and we started going there for a while and then we ended up, uh, well, we tried to get married in COVID. Uh, we had a big wedding planned, and then that all went to shit when COVID happened. So, but later that year, we ended up getting married. Um, well, we got married initially, and then we had a big wedding celebration later that year. Was that money well spent? I, I hate the thought of a big wedding. I just hear money flushing down the toilet. But everyone's always like, no, it was fun. It was, I mean, it was good, but like we, we got married, we still kept our original date when uh-huh. COVID canceled everything. And it was just like, it was in our mom's front yard. It was on our grandparents' anniversary. Oh. We just had like her mom and my mom and a couple oh, of I like that. close family. And it was real. We spent like 150 bucks on that one. And it was real nice. Yeah, that's my kind of a wedding. 150 bucks. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. And uh, in the front yard, I like that too. That's cool. That's gangster. That's like that's like ethnic shit. Yeah. So that's at our yeah. big wedding. Did you have a low rider parked out front? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that one there, that one's from our the wedding we had in September. Actually, that was on my birthday too. Was that her right? Why did you have a second wedding? Was that her idea or, or your idea? Or how, how do you, why did you have a second wedding? Like, I want to squirrel that money away. No. Yeah. Oh, we, I have that shirt. I have that shirt. You're wearing that CrossFit regional shirt. Crazy. I mean, yeah. The baseball tee. I have that somewhere. I probably still have some in plastic bags. I have so much CrossFit clothes. Okay. Sorry. So, so, so why did you have the second wedding? Well, so the, our big celebration wedding, we had already, basically had everything set for it uh the wedding venue was willing to work with us on just moving the date that they had available yeah and the only one that happened to have was on my birthday so we just we had already paid the money oh okay okay Um, and so it was like okay well bad decision had already been made yeah um so we just moved the date and kept everything the same and um you know whoever could make it could make it whoever couldn't couldn't how did, how did you find CrossFit? I found it in college back in the fall of 2011, I think. Um, I was doing personal training at a gym and, you know, I was used to the standard like bodybuilding splits, like back and buys day, chest and tri day. And the head no, training. Did you do legs? Yeah. You did do legs. Yeah. Yeah, in, in a machine, sore. like in a machine, laying on your back, like that one, the leg press one, or did you do like proper squats and stuff? Yeah, I did a little bit of everything. I tried to mix okay. it up with that. Um, but the head trainer um, one day slid a piece of paper 
over to me and it was all that was written on it was Fran, like the workout Fran. 2159 thrusters and pull-ups. He's like, I want you to do only this today and go as hard as you can and that be it. And looking at Fran on paper, if you're, you know, you like you look at it and it's like, that's nothing. I'm used to these hour, hour, 15, hour and a half workouts. I don't want to do that. And so I didn't. And I actually went home and the, on ESPN2, the 2011 CrossFit Games were on rerun. And I watched it for like hours. Like that same day. Yeah, that night. Like the stars were aligned. Yeah, that night it was, it was, uh, it was on. I watched it for hours. And so I went online. <laughs> And I didn't know what a hero workout was at the time. And so I picked a workout that looked hard on paper. And it was the workout. um, Like a real workout, not this pussy Fran stuff. (laughs) It was was Santiago. It was like dumbbell, hang squat cleans, pull-ups, handstand push-ups, which I had never done before. Uh, Power cleans, which I had hardly done before. Uh, And I was doing it with like the steel 45-pound plates and your Typical gym. Of, of course. Let me ask you this really quick. When he handed you, uh, um, uh, we'll look at Santiago one second. When he handed you the th- Fran, did you know what a thruster was? No, I asked him what a thruster was. Okay, okay. So you were that green. Okay, me too. That's that's how I found it too. Okay, and then and then so then you chose this because Fran wasn't challenging enough. I totally understand. The yeah. first time I did Fran, it took me like thirty minutes, and I was like, I guess that's cool. Uh, I didn't know you're supposed to do it for time. I did it with a buddy, and we yeah. did it like a bodybuilding workout. He did some thrusters. I did some, and we took turns, and then we walked over. You know what I mean? We just yeah, we didn't know it had to be done like in any time. So you chose this. Yeah, I I think I got. I oh, this looks 50, bad. Yeah, I think I was like thirty minutes into this workout, and I was like three mm-hmm. round, three or four rounds in, and I was like, all right, I I need to stop because I'm going to kill myself here in a minute. Right. And uh, but that's what got me hooked on it. You're basically reverse curling those one thirty five. That one thirty five. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, I don't even know. I don't even want to know how my pull-ups looked. And your squat cleans, you were probably just doing just like a slow, uh, your, yeah. your hang squat clean was probably just like, you're just pulling it straight up. Like, Oh yeah. Like 100%. a curl. Yeah. The press. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but you know, that's that workout right there is what got me hooked on CrossFit for sure. Hundred percent, and I ended up doing Fran like later that week too, and it was horrible. Um, yeah, it, what do you remember from it? What uh, what part do you remember being horrible? Do, do you remember any specific body part being like, "Ooh, that's weird. That's really weird." No, I just you know I just remember just getting close to finishing, and you're not quite there, and just kind of hating your life. Right, like, it sucks. Um, but it's the it's when you're laying on the ground afterwards, kind of just you never really got that kind of response from like a bodybuilding style, at least for me. Yeah. That, that kind of effort and that like, I'm proud of what I just did. Like I'm laying on the ground hurting. Um, but yeah, Fran, that the first time I did Fran, it was, I was at like four minutes or something. Wow. So you were good at it. So you were capable. That's nuts. Four minutes is nuts for your first time. Yeah, it was it. I worked to get those four minutes though. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know? I remember my forearms like uh hurting for like 20 minutes after I was done for the first like five times I did it. My forearms were just completely destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, my leg I remember my legs like cramping up a little bit, like just laying there in the ground and hurting for sure. 
And in all the times I did Fran, I never got four minutes. I bet a dude that sometime in my career, I bet Hollis Malloy that sometime in my career, I'd have a three minute Fran. I bet him like a hundred bucks. I probably should pay him. That's not going to happen. I can't, I can't be like, well, I'm not dead yet. Yeah. I should probably just, he probably doesn't even remember. I should do the right thing. Okay. So, so you do that. And then, and then at that point, you do that at the college gym. So at what point are you like, okay, maybe I should go to an affiliate. So, yeah. So all 2012, that's what I did in like the gym I was personal training at. And, and that's was, the gym on campus or. No, it was, um, it was called a club fitness. It's like a okay. global gym. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I was just doing like .com workouts. Um, then just whatever was on the website, that's the one I would do for that day. And then it was like right before the open of 2013, uh, I went to CrossFit Edwardsville and down near St. Louis. And I did the, my first open that year. And then that following year in 2014 is the year I graduated. And I actually <laughs> I actually didn't walk at my college graduation because I had qualified for the North Central Regional. Oh, shit. Wow. And it was the same weekend. Priorities, priorities. So, yeah, you know, I called my mom up and I said, hey, look. Um, I qualified for regionals. The only way I can get both that piece of paper and to do this is for me to go to this. And she's like, okay. And so that's what I did. And that's, that was the year that I, that I met O'Keefe. Um, cause he had sponsored me with, uh, with Redline when he was with Redline at the time. Oh, no shit. That's awesome. Yep. So those are the, those are the shorts he handed me, uh, literally that morning, I think. Um, uh, that's 2016 right there. That's 2014, 2014. Damn. That's, that's 10 years ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I heard those shorts were awesome. Did you, but they don't make them anymore. Did you love those shorts? Yeah. I don't, I don't know where, um, I don't know where those shorts went, but I still have the, the two t-shirts that he handed me with red line. I actually wore I wore one of them up to Vermont when I went up there in June to to train with them. Uh, I actually wore the, one of the red line ones because I still had it. Did you have um a uh, good find, Caleb? Hey, did you have aspirations to be a games athlete? Um, kind of. Um, I kind of always knew that if I put like some attention towards it, that I have the capabilities to do it. Um, like the physical and the mental capabilities. Um, but actually right after regionals, I had opened or co-owned a CrossFit gym up north with a friend of mine from college. And so I started focusing a little bit more on that. Um, and then that's when in 2016, I got hired on with the police department and I moved down there and it was like, okay, now I'm going to focus all my attention on advancing within the, the police department to get to where I want to be. Um, and that's what I've done all these last few years. And then it wasn't until 2020, I think it was January, January of 21 where I was like, actually, you know what it was? Um, in fall of 2020 CrossFit released some video that it was called the emotions of regionals. And it was like the slow motion, 
of athletes competing at regionals and it was of the 2014 regionals oh wow when i went to wow that's where it started sparking like man what if what if i started putting attention towards training and what if i you know progressed on a timeline that was acceptable for me and tried to try to get there and so since then i've kind of taken some steps to focus a little bit more on it on the training side to see and everything's kind of fallen in line yeah is this the video yep i remember the video i remember the, i remember the video oh it's a great shot dang <laughs> But, hey, uh, um, um, so you actually went down, you actually owned an affiliate for a second? Yeah, it was, uh, it was up north, um, in Crystal Lake, Illinois. And, and what were your, and you had a partner? Yeah. And did you guys actually have a location and open the doors and have like members? Yeah. So we, we were opened for about a year and a half. Wow. Um, and when I went to be become a police officer, he still had kept the doors open um, up until COVID happened, which that messed up a lot of things. Um, but yeah, when I left, they were still they were still doors open, having members come through. Um, uh, when you opened the gym, do you remember why you opened it? Was it was it just like God? I just love this stuff. Like, was it just an impulse thing? Like just like a passion, like, like the same way when you saw your wife, just like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going this way. Yeah. It was a mixture of, um, basically loving CrossFit being, um, it was still relatively new to me at the time. Um, still like fully immersed in that. And I think it was a mixture of wanting, falling along the lines of wanting to help people within the community as well. Um, so that's, that was the whole premise behind why I wanted to open one. And, you know, my partners, uh, for the gym at the time was, um, kind of fell under that same mindset. And so we explored paths to try and get one open and got one open and that was it. I'm, I'm trying to think of like things that people do that like they do because they're passionate about like, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like even, even just going out and playing Frisbee with my son. Like I don't do it with any intention except to play Frisbee with my son. Yeah. And I feel like that's why a lot of people open CrossFit gyms. Like they're not doing it to make money. They're not thinking about the business. They're not thinking they just love this thing and they want to open it um, to some degree. There's some degree of, um, well, I, I guess it's in my mind, I kind of think that they're just so excited about it. They want to share it with everyone. So that's why I like playing Frisbee with my son. Cause I want to share that moment with them, that sport, that energy that, and I just, is, is that why I'm just trying to figure out why you would open a CrossFit gym. How old were you at the time? I was 22. It was right after regionals, 22 or 23. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same way. Like if you see it, it's, it's just, it's like a pretty girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, she looks at you. You look at her. You talk, and it's just like, wow, this is cool. Like, like I, I, I probably should like ask her if she wants to go for a walk on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of you know, with me, it, it falls under. I don't want to look back on anything and regret not 
being able to do something. I would I would much rather fail in the attempt, giving my full effort, than having to look back and regret. Man, I wish I would have done this. You know, are you, are you glad you opened that gym? You're glad you went down. You had that year and a half experience running a CrossFit gym. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I met a great group of people that came through there. Uh, Justin, um, uh, do you know that um, I'm capable of hitting a a hundred out of a hundred shots? I'm capable of throwing a baseball at a bucket sixty feet away and hitting it. That's what you are. Yeah, I'm capable of that. I just want to know if you know that. Not one. Well, if you don't, you do now. That's impressive. Thank you. The 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 audience loves it too. They they love it when I go outside in my long johns and hit a bucket from sixty feet away. Yeah. Listen, I made a video. I made a video of myself walking sixty feet away from a bucket and throwing a ball at it and hitting it with one shot, a baseball. Because these fucking idiots said I couldn't do it. Yeah. Then this fucking guy, this guy fucking cave Dastro. You know what he does? He walks sixty feet away and throws it into the bucket. Oh, so he won up to you. It, I mean, I mean, it's not even in the same world. He destroyed me. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even like. Yeah. So here, here, look at my 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 baseballs, just in my backyard. No warm up. No nothing. They claim it's. I mean, just in my long johns. You know, <laughs> I'm probably wearing this sweatshirt. Am I wearing this sweatshirt? No, similar. And then I just go out. Thank you, Kayla, for playing this. This is a nice trip down memory lane. Here we go. Walk. Those bags, by the way, were when I uh, I used to grow weed in those bags many many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't smoke the weed. I just grew it. And my cop buddies are like, dude, you're gonna get in trouble for that. You don't even smoke weed, so I I stopped doing it. <laughs> but they still now I see lizards. Um, look at this. Look at this shot here. Look at this. Thank you. Yeah, that's impressive. Thank you. Um, now lizards live in those bags. So those are black bags, like cloth bags. Yeah. And now lizards like live in them. And so I don't I don't want to pick them up because I feel like I'm taking away the lizards home. Destroying their families. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> I, I struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah, I got I still have all my bags of weed. I don't want I don't I don't want to implicate you, but down here I've just bags and bags of old, old weed. It's crazy. Yeah. I, but I don't smoke weed, I, and I don't condone smoking anything. You shouldn't burn anything and then inhale it into your lungs. That's pure idiocy. Pure idiocy. Um, uh, bad people smoke, right? In general, that's like one of their characteristics. I'm not saying it's a cause or an effect, but it's a correlate. Like bad guys smoke. A lot of bad guys smoke. They vape and shit, right? They're addicted to uh, something. Bad bad guys are addicted to stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Strong yeah, correlate to that. that. You find something. Yeah. But. I don't care if it's illegal schmeagle. It's stupid. Drugs are stupid. I'm I'm old and I've I've come to the other side. Uh so so you so you go down there and um and then tell me tell me about your pursuit. How do you get um I, there, there's that picture and it says you're celebrating. It says um it's you with Oki uh no, it's you with Matt and Katrin. I showed it in the beginning of the show. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, oh. How do you how do you end up? Oh, it's 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 you and Jason Hopper and Fraser and Katrin. Yeah. How do you how do you end up? Tell me how this happens. How do you hook up with these guys again? And why are you pursuing CrossFit at such a high level now? I mean, so, these are the those are like the three best people, arguably, you know, in the community at, at that at this discipline. I know. Um, yeah. So, you know, in twenty one is when I kind of started to make that that mindset of 
should I start to pursue training as an elite athlete in the sport or try at least trying to be. And so, you know, at the time I was on that proactive unit for the police work. So my, my hours were from 5 PM to 3 AM. And so I was basically all year from 1 PM to 4 PM in the gym from 5 PM to 3 AM at work, go to bed at 4 AM, wake up at 10 and just on repeat. Um, and I did that all year until the, the 2022 quarterfinals happened, um, which, you know, I have a 19 year old son and he was, he was actually born the day before that quarterfinal started. Um, wait, no, you have a 19 month old son. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought I heard you say 19 year old son, month old. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Okay. I, I was like, uh Oh, there's some part of the story we really fucking missed already. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, old son. But yeah, so like, um, you know, I, I put all this effort into training and the year before in quarterfinals, I had finished like 300 something place and they took the top 120. So I was like, okay, if I, I should be, I should be able to qualify for a semifinal that next year in 2022. And so that quarterfinals happened and I basically, um, felt just short. I felt I think I finished in like 140 something. Um, and so after that was the occupational games, um, which I technically had lost, well, actually lost by one point internationally to some guy in Europe, but I was number one in the United States. And so that's and when you say occupational games, it's really just the points from the open, right? No, no. So they had an actual. Um, it was very. The format was very similar to quarterfinals. Okay. Yeah, so you York. actually. Do, okay. Yep. And where do you do those? You just do those, and you do those at an affiliate. Those those workouts. Yeah, yeah. So just like quarters, you just there's four plans. There you have to tape measure everything. Okay. Okay. I didn't know stuff. that. Cool. All right. All right. Cool. Um. So I did that, and you know, I just I fell. My goal was to be number one, and I felt I lost literally by a point. And so I basically had these two, two things happen back to back that were just like a punch in the gut almost. And so last fall, I actually, for about two and a half months, stopped doing CrossFit altogether. You started smoking weed? Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, it wasn't until January of this year, I kind of dab started dabbling back into it, starting to figure out if I wanted to just do CrossFit to stay in shape or if I wanted to start exploring getting back to the competing side. How long? Wow. So it was really was a break. You actually pulled away from just high intensity movements altogether. Yeah. I went back to the standard, just like bodybuilding split, just really taking a break. Yeah. Um, Did you enjoy it when you went back to bodybuilding? The the just bench pressing, hanging out, strict pull-ups. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, like, I I enjoyed. I think I enjoyed it more so for the break from CrossFit, CrossFit altogether. Yeah. Um. But you know, so I started dabbling back in it in January, and then went through quarters, qualified for semis, and then at semis, um, I going into the last day, I was sitting in nineteenth place, and that's where I started having that realization of everything I've been doing has been working. 
you know, I, I'm kind of on that trajectory of the path of what I said I was going to do two years ago. And so um, after the handstand pirouette event, um, which I completely crapped the bed on that, where I finished almost in dead last <laughs> in that workout. Um, but I met up, that's when I met back up with O'Keefe. And I knew where, where was that? That was on in the West. That was in Pasadena. Yeah. Yep. So, so in January, you pick up CrossFit again, you end up in Pasadena, even though you're not going full steam ahead and you see O'Keefe there. Crazy. This is crazy. Okay. Yeah, leading up to semis, I was basically working out for maybe an hour, hour and a half a day. Why did you go? Did you think, Hey, I'm not even going to go. Why did you go? I, I basically went this year because I felt like I had put all the that sacrifice of time and energy and lack of sleep from work and stuff from 2021 to try and make it in 22 and fell just short. Um, and so I made it now and I was like, okay, my mindset was basically I was there to like gain some information about myself as an athlete to not embarrass myself, which that workout right there is a, I, it was bad. Um, but, uh, and just kind of have fun with it. Like the, my mindset was not at all like all the guys in that heat, like Cole Sager and Colton Mertens and Scott Tetlow, they were all in that heat. Like those guys' mindsets all weekend long were I'm going to, I'm going to compete at semis to qualify for the CrossFit games. I'm not right. going to compete at semis. Right. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't until really that morning where I was like, oh, I can actually, I can actually do this. Um, and so afterwards I had met up with O'Keefe and, um, you know, we caught up a little bit, talked, and I started talking about him about getting on uh, HWPO programming because I've been keeping my eye on it for. What programming were you doing? Just your own? No, I was doing um, Mayhem Athlete. Okay. Okay. Um, and so talking to O'Keefe, I I don't know if he knows this or not. I started to like feel him out a little bit. Um, almost to a point where I was like, hey, you know, maybe like maybe after the games when things slow down, I can come up there and just be a sponge and train. And like almost instantly he was like, dude, Matt is down there coaching another athlete. Like, go talk to him, but he's, he's going to tell you to come up as soon as you can. And so right before the last event at semis, you know, that's exactly what I did. I went over uh, to Matt, who's down there, talked to him for a little bit. Um, and then I basically gave him the same spiel. You know, you don't want to be that guy that, like, forces his way in kind of thing. And so I kind of left it up to them. And, you know, said the same thing to Matt and was like, hey, like maybe after like things slow down after the games, I can come up. And he's like, dude, come up during games training and we'll throw you in with Jason, Katrin and everybody and just get you in the mix. And it was kind of like at that moment. And that's what you wanted too. you were gleaning. You wanted to peak at the next level. You wanted to hang out with some people who made it to where you had just missed. Right. Right. And and, and true. And. like I've never had a CrossFit coach a day in my life either. Um, you know, when I went up to Vermont, obviously I wanted to get up there because. And when was, you say you went to Vermont, this is in June of uh, of this, this year. year. Yeah. yeah, end of June this year. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's the last week of June this year. Um, so you didn't make it to the games, but you went up there to train with the guys who did make it to the games. Yep. Okay. Not only, not only are there guys that like just made it to the games, like they're they're the top athletes at the game. Right. You know. Right. Right. And so, uh, anyone else besides Katrin and uh, Jason you see up there? Katrin, Jason, were there any of the other? Was any any uh, Amanda Barnhart or anyone else? No, no. The, we, oh, okay. the uh, okay. I only went up for a few days, and it was just okay. um, Jason. I don't want to say just, but it was Jason and Katrin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I, like for myself, I knew never having a coach. I knew to go to the next level. It's not so much the physical capabilities; it's more of the mental and the attention to details that's going to help get you there. And so that's kind of what I was looking for a little bit. Um, and so when Matt told me that, I was like, "This is it! Like this is this is where I need to be. This is what I need to be doing. Like if they're going to have two top end athletes in the world at this sport leading up to the event, and they're willing to let me come in, hell yeah." You know what I mean? Hell like, yeah, dude. Hell yeah. And hey, so anyone in any profession would take that. If you were a photographer and they invited up you, you should take it. If you're a filmmaker, you should take it. If you're a gym, like anything, like to be around people who are pushing that hard period, uh, you should go. And it just so happens they're doing the same thing you're doing. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those so, people aren't great on accident. Right. You know, and yeah. so that like when I got back, I ended up, I got with, uh, O'Keefe got me linked up with Jim. <clears throat> Uh, Marconi and um, coordinated when to get up there and going up there, dude, I, I was probably more nervous going up there than I was to go to semifinals just because you just don't, you don't know what to expect. You don't like know what the atmosphere is going to be like. And it was, it was in a non-insulting way. It was so laid back and welcoming. It felt like just being at my home gym. Um, you know, like when I got there, like, and I credit to Matt, man, like I was standing there in the gym and he walks in holding a, just a bunch of shit he's carrying in. He sees me, sets everything down, going to walk over and give me a tour of the whole HQ up there. Um, you know, and then he's like, all right, you know, Jason and Katrin are going to come in and they're going to start doing this first. And then we'll, we'll start working out for the morning session. And so, like, Jason came in and introduced himself. Kat came in and introduced her, herself. And they're both – they made – as hard as we went at everything, they made training very, very fun. Like, super laid back. Just – Jason, you know Jason. He's – I mean, he yeah. wants to have fun. He says it. He wants to fool around and he's, have fun while he's training. Yeah, he's, like, that very outgoing. He made training, like, real fun. Um, But I remember – before we started the first morning session that I was there in my head, I'm, I, I have this like built up vision in my head that there's just going to be other people in the gym and it starts rolling up to eight 30 when we're supposed to start. And I'm looking around and I just see there's just me, Jason and Katrin in the gym. And then Matt comes walking in we all go over the whiteboard. I'm looking around like, kind of like oh shit like <laughs> you know this is it yeah this, this is, is it, it. Yeah. just you and these two animals yeah and like, jason yeah crazy dude so we went through that and mm. like um randomly i don't know but craig ritchie was up there filming jason catherine for their build up um so i got to meet 
um, him and Jasmine as well. And they were awesome. Awesome. Um, and so now, um, you know, I left, I took a lot from there, you know, credit to Matt. Um, like Matt would pull me aside in the trainings and start like coaching me. Um, even when Jason and Katrin are up there doing their training, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So like that picture there, so there he is, he, there he is peeping you right there. Yeah. So he's working <laughs> with me right there just on the jerks and just not heavy weight, just, you know, pure technique stuff. And I gave, a, I gave, I had respect for Matt before I had so much more for me personally, after going through that weekend. Like Tell me why his commitment to the team, his commitment, what, 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 what did he do that impressed you so much? So it was more for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, not just as a coach, because at semifinals, um, like a lot of people didn't see Matt down coaching. He's coaching um, Raphael Sanson, mm-hmm. who's HWPO athlete. Um, dude, is like, that Allison Scud's uh, boyfriend? Is that is that Raphael? I only know one Raphael. I have no idea. Does he have, Does he have, does he look like Superman and have huge, huge thighs? Huge. No, I don't think that's no. Him. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, this guy's this guy's the quads are absolutely insane. Raphael Sanz. Let me see. Oh uh, no. Okay. Oh, this is the guy that's the Mexican version of me. Okay, I've seen this guy before. Jason pointed me out to him. Okay, he's go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, this was me if I was Mexican and good looking and fit. <laughs> but yeah, like Matt was coaching Raphael down at semis, and you would you would think that Matt seeing all of his old friends and the people he's competed with all these times would be kind of talking and chit-chatting with, you know, all these friends that he's competed against for so many years. Yeah. Every time I would look over at Matt, it was him either by himself buried in his notepad or sitting down with Raphael and they're just going over everything. And that's what kind of, you know, it's like, okay, like, you got a lot of respect, at least for me, just seeing that, just being observant right, and seeing right. that. And so when I went up there, he did the same thing with me, even though Jason and Katrin are leading up to the biggest event of the year. You know what I mean? You're willing yeah, to he, take time. He was pouring. It sounds like he had more than time. It sounds like you felt like he was pouring his attention and energy into you. Yeah. Well, he made your trip what more more than worth it. Yeah, like I have a video of Amy Everett came up to work with Jason. Cool chick. Yeah, she's awesome. And, uh, you know, she, I have a video where uh, Matt's sitting down in a chair and then Jason, Amy's next to Jason. He's about to lift. And I'm just off to the side, just working like 95 pound cleans, squat cleans, like real technique stuff. And the second I step up to the bar, you can see Matt's head shift from Jason to me, watches me lift. Once I'm done, he stands up, walks around everybody to me and starts giving me a bunch of cues. And it's like, you you think about that. And it's like, first of all, like I'm really nobody in the, in the sport. Right. And you got Jason and Katrin right next to you and you're willing to take time while they're still lifting to give me some attention and what I was looking for. Um, that's what, where I was like, I have a lot of respect for Matt as a coach um, after going through that weekend because it was like that all weekend. 
Did you ever relax and settle in there? Like after uh, like an hour know. after a workout where you just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm settling in. Yeah. Well, like the feeling. Yeah. I don't know about relaxed Cause I was like hurting the entire time. <laughs> but, um, uh, it's kind of like, the, I guess, I mean this, what advice would you have to people who have that opportunity to work out with? So you're going there. Like, even in a best case scenario, you were going there to be a rabbit, right? Okay, look, uh, listen, uh, Justin Dewing, we know you're fit, but shut the fuck up. You're not as fit as these guys. We're setting you up so they can just beat you down and chase you. Do your job. You know what I mean? Like, like you were the sparring partner. You right. didn't have the big fight, but you were the sparring partner. They respect you as an athlete, but you're coming here to be a sparring partner. Did you did you prep for that mentally? Like, okay, don't burden them, but don't be uptight. Don't fanboy, but be respectful. Like, is there any advice you would give to someone who's going into that situation? You want to add value, right? You don't want to go there and take. You want like, did, was there any prep you had going having the opportunity to go to train with the fittest man who's ever lived and a catcher and two time games champion and Jason Hopper, the fucking prodigy? Was it like okay? Um, don't act like a fucking ding dong. Be cool. Push all that shit. Like, I feel like that whenever I have Rich Froning on or like I have Tyson Bajan on now, I'm like, just push all the fanboy shit away and just kind of act, try to act kind of normal. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I went there to, you know, just be myself. Um, you don't, you kind of have that. Like when I first saw Jason Katrin walk in, Catherine's kind of like, bigger than life, right? Like, I don't think people realize that. Like, she, like, I don't, I don't believe in auras, but that fucking chick's got an aura. Yeah. Um, like, she's, she, she's pretty amazing. Yeah. And she's, she is incredibly nice. Um, like, the entire weekend, it was like, you kind of, when you first walk in, you see them come in. It's kind of like that when you're not surrounded by that all the time. Like, me, I work out by myself all day, every day. And when you see them walk in, it's kind of like a, oh shit, kind of moment. Yeah. Um, but it instantly went away. Um, and I think a lot of that was credit to them too. Like they, it wasn't them just like, like brushing me off in any way either. Like Jason was like, you want to share a bar? Katrin was giving me advice the entire time. Like oh, it, cool. they just made it so nice and welcoming to be there. Everyone did that even from, like the staff at HQ, all of them, like Jake and Josh and yeah, Marconi's um, pretty laid back, huh? Yeah, so it was a good weekend. Like I, I had, I had a couple. I had a sit down with Jake. I had a sit down with Matt. Um, I talked to Josh a little bit, um, just about me, my training in the future, and what to work on and things. And so you know, and obviously um, O'Keefe invited my family down to Rogue uh, just this past two weekends now whenever the Rogue Invitational was. And so we got to go down and kind of see everybody again and hang out. And I had taken a little bit of um, Jake's advice he had given me and reached out to some people and got a little bit of funding to start in January, once a month, flying up there to train all the way up until quarters and semis. So you've been doing that? Doing what? Flying up there? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna. I'm getting with Jake now on getting some times for January, February, March, April, May to fly up there. So you're going for it? Yeah. If I, my wife and I set, kind of have talked and we're like, if we're 
you were in a position last this year at semis to really have a chance, right? Yeah. And so she's like, you now have these resources that through their experience, through Matt's experience, which is any advice that he gives me, I'm going to take it, right? And then Jake was a high-end athlete too at semifinals. He knows what he's talking about. And then you have Jason, Katrin, Brooke Wells is over at HWPO now. So like, when oh, I, yeah, that's right. That's right. So like you have all of these, these athletes with so much experience at the top level. You're like, my wife was like, if you're going to do this, we need to be all in and figure out a way to get you up there at least once a month to gain that experience, to gain that confidence. To Dude, you found the right woman. Yeah. Yeah. My wife, she was my, uh, she was my coach. She had my coaches pass at semis. Yeah. Like I trained by myself and, and all that, but, um, like she had my coach, she would did awesome. Like anything I needed, she was right there for it. So it's, it's definitely easier when you have someone who's not only supportive, but she's the one that's pushing you to move forward more and more. How old's your son right now, Justin? He's 19 months now. Yeah, he's only yeah, 19 and a half months. So um so 2022 CrossFit Games Fittest Cop in America, 2023 CrossFit Games uh, Northwest semifinalist. This year it is a little when you qualified last year for the semifinals, do you remember where you qualified because I I want to say they took 60? Yeah, so I wouldn't have I was I qualified in 49th. Okay, so this year the qualifications going to be uh, uh, more difficult. Yeah, so because they're, they're only taking forty. But if you look at my, if you look at my scoring, and you can look at twenty twenty two's quarterfinals leaderboard too. Yeah, like there is one event that in total points wise, yeah, will equal all of my other events together. So there's just one glaring weakness that I've I've have to build on and work on which i have is it being upside down yeah it's handstand push-ups that handstand oh. workout okay um at semis um that was the one i'm going in where when i tested it i had finished it through um just under 13 minutes and so going into it i'm like okay it's probably gonna be my worst one um and then it was just one of those that everything that could go wrong did I got in my own head, like everything just didn't go right. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the leaderboard, like at quarterfinals, um, is that the first, is that the workout right there? Workout number one? No, it went, what workout is it? No, what is that? No. Is that semifinals? Or is that semifinals? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So that's semis, but in quarters, if you look at the, like it's very apparent which one's the handstand push-up one for me. Hey, oh, go ahead, go ahead, finish. Were you gonna say something? Um, no, I don't remember what I was gonna say. Okay, I, I, I want to tell. Uh, this is a really this. I I can't overstate this enough. By the way, Ken, I owe you a massive uh, thank you. By the way, thank you for schooling me on Doug Flutie. When I spoke to Travis Bajant last night and Tyson in the car. The, I was ripping Doug Flutie and Travis told me I was a fucking idiot. And then you posted that on YouTube. You schooled me up. I'll read that uh, later on in the show. But I owe you a big one, Ken. But let's look at this for a second. The most important thing to success is having a supportive partner. 
So yesterday, um, uh, yesterday morning, I was supposed to have, uh, I was supposed to have a podcast in the morning and it was uh, supposed to be the quarterback for the Chicago bears. And he, he called and he's like, dude, I'm so tired. And I'm just want to go hang with my family. I'm like, dude, I totally get it. No big deal. Yeah. And my and my wife left the house. And when my wife left the house, I could tell. Um, I normally do Friday mornings with the kids, and that it's a long drive. We take them to a, to skate with a professional skater. It's forty five minute drive. Yeah. And I know my wife didn't want to do the drive. She wasn't being rude. She wasn't being anything. But I felt I could tell she didn't want to do the drive. And three minutes into the car ride, she goes. She texts me, "Hey, I love you. Don't worry about me. I pulled my head out of my ass, and I'm happy." She knew that her not being happy was fucking stressing me out. Yeah. And she let me off the she she sent me a text or called me, I can't remember, and let me off the hook. Yeah. And like that's that's it was it's yeah. such a nuance, dude, but it's huge because yeah. I just want to go run and help her. Like I want to be like, I won't do yeah. I'll tell her like I don't care. I don't have to do this podcast. I really don't give a fuck. I will drive the kids. I want you to be happy. Yeah. I don't want you to like to have to do anything you don't want to do. And she's like, No, no, it just took me a second because I normally do it. She's like, it just took me a second to shift. And get my head wrapped around my new day. Yep. And but dude, holy fuck, I was unraveling at home. And like I don't tell her that. Right. Because yep. it's it's a, it's really nothing. Yeah. My wife but, does the same thing. The same but this thing. is huge that she says that to you, right? It's not yeah. just she's supporting you, she's setting you free because you're like, but I need to be at home and have dinner with you. And I need to um, uh, make sure I watch my son. Cause I know you like to work out every day at three o'clock. And I know Sundays you like to do this and I need to be doing this for you. And right. And you need someone to set you free. Cause you take your obligation to her so fucking seriously. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's no different. It's crazy. Like, like coming home, I get home at like five 30 PM for, at night. And so usually from five 30 to seven 30, that's, you know, hang out time with the little kiddo and, and I do yeah. bath time and, Either her or I will put them to bed. And there's times where, because I train at night too at the house. We have a home gym in our back backyard. And so, uh, you know, there's times where I'm just feeling tired and where she'll just be like, look, I got them. Like, let me take them, go work out, get it done. And then we'll reevaluate where we're at, like when we come together for dinner or whatever. Um, and it's yeah, those little things so huge. It's, yeah. It's those little things where they notice you don't want to put like, I don't want to be like, Hey, I, I really want to go and work out now because I don't want to do it later. Um, just because of where my energy level is at right now and her recognizing that and being like, look, I'll just take them without me saying anything. Cause I'm not going to say anything. Right. She just does it. And then it's like, it's okay. Go do it. And everything's fine and moving forward that's that's the what you're talking about those little things that are massive there are massive things for us at least yeah, for me it, it, this this line that the most important thing to success is having a supportive partner i when i hear people who don't have supportive partners i don't even know how they do it i wouldn't be able to sleep at night if i thought like i was burdening my wife yeah it would i would fucking lose my shit yeah crazy i i, I that man, I think about that with all great people, men and women, who the people are, who are their right-hand men, right? Who's their wingman? I think some of the best, and I bet you like, like, uh, like Matt will say the same thing about Sammy. Right. Mm -hmm. She's an incredible, she must be the most amazing wing person ever. Right. Just having, and 
it's just one of those. I'm sure she was just like, look, I got this. You go do this. So you focus on like, even though she might have been having like a hard day or something, she's like, look, dude, you go do this. I got it. We'll reevaluate here like later today. You know what I mean? Yeah. And more than that, I'm such a baby that I need my wife even to be like, I got it and I'm happy to get it. Like I need her like to put that, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. if I sense she's not a hundred percent into it, I'm like, no, no, I got it. Like yeah. she has to like really convince me cause I'm so fucking insecure about, about uh, me burdening her. Yeah. Yeah. Those- you know, like if I sense even like, she's like, don't worry, I got it. It won't be enough for me. I need to be like, I'm excited to fucking vacuum right now. Go ahead, Sevy. Do your stupid pod. I mean, your podcast. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's um. You can't be like um. I, I mean, worst case, worst case scenario. Just imagine like um. It's the final event of the games, and um. Uh, you find out your spouse is cheating on you. You got to fucking swallow that because they're about to do the final event. You got to be a fucking good spouse, or you you find out your mom or dad died. Or your dog died. Like, you got to fucking be like, nope, everything's fine. Go. I mean, if you want to be like right, A-level wingman. Yeah. And you should want to be an A-level wingman. Um, but it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Having, with, yeah, go ahead. Having that kind of support is yeah. is, is massive, is, is, is truly massive. I don't think – I don't think the, the significant others, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, whoever it is on the other yeah. side – don't get the credit as much as they should because it is it is for sure a massive thing to that person who is in the spotlight or whatever whatever you however you want to say that but yeah it is it is cool though to have a front row seat like i've had friends like like i like even being a wingman to greg as he was building crossfit like you get you get you get just trampled a lot by the crowd and, and by things, but like I never let it get to me because I'm always like, wow, I have a front row seat. Yeah. So you know, there's hopefully like a point. I'm sure your wife's like so proud to be with you too. You know what I mean? Like she, as long as long as you don't have a jealous, as long as you don't have jealous people in your life, um, they're they're ecstatic. Yeah. Um, how about your mom and dad? Do they go to your events? Yeah. So they they flew out to California. Um. Your dad, me. your mom and dad tripping on you? How fit you are? No, I mean everyone. Like even the people I work with, like are oh, you like doings in, in shape? And it's like, well, it's all relative to how you look at things. Because I don't think I am, because I'm looking at all these other athletes who are also in very right. Good shape. Right. Um, but yeah, they. I mean, they do. Um. Y- why do you think your parents um, uh, come to the event? Why do you think they come? Just support. They're just very, very, very supportive. Uh, they always have been when, like, even growing up in sports and stuff. Did your did you, did your parents? Uh, do you think your mom and dad will cry if you make it to the games? Like, if you're at semifinals and you make it? No, I don't think they'll cry. My mom, no. maybe. I don't think they'll. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. But um, you'll be. You'll be 33 at semifinals? I will be – well, I'll still be 32. I turned 32. My birthday's in September, so I just turned 32. But are you – is any notice of age catching up to you? You're going to be – I mean, uh, you're young, but with these guys, you're going to be on the older side. Yeah, and I actually – it's 
it's kind of funny. I talked to at Rogue. I ran into Cole Sager, and he had remembered me from semis because I had like just briefly talked to him um, while I was there, and I was talking to him, and I was like, you know, people keep saying that like the 32, 33 is kind of at the tail end of things. But when you look at, like, look at Velner and Fakowski and Sager, like they've all, they're all up there as well. The only difference between physically between what they have done and what I've done is they've been putting their bodies through hell the last 10 years to go to the games every single year. I haven't. And so I kind of look at it kind of like a, in a different aspect. Yes, like 10 years from now when I'm, you know, 42 years old, I'm not going to be qualifying for the CrossFit Games. Um, but physically, I feel better than I've ever felt, um, especially at this point, like leading up into in-season stuff. Um, like I've – I feel better than I've ever felt before. So I – I don't really have the age thing really affect anything that I'm doing. I think that the first place people uh, notice it is, is in, is in recovery. And by recovery, I mean like literally back to back events. Yeah. I mean, and so if you're not noticing it, you're not noticing it. And like, and like you said, there are people, I mean, I, I'm not trying to um, force you to be like, yeah, I'm fucking old. I am old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but you feel good is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I went to, so I went to regionals 10 years ago when like, mm. how old was like Mal O'Brien 10 years ago? Right. Nine, 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, like physically, like I stay on top of everything outside of the gym that I have to, to try and perform every day and in, in training um to you know i mean i may not qualify for the crossfit games next year but i'm going to prepare in every aspect that i can in order to do so i think you should request the time off already for the games request the time off well so yeah just to be like fuck you i'm making it (laughs) and uh in the unit i mean we're i'm fortunate enough to have flexibility in my schedule so if i needed off for it i could get it how cool would it be? Or do you think you'll go to the games anyway since it's in Texas? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it's right by your house. Yeah, Dickie, Dickie's Arena is like 25 minutes from my house. Yeah, that's awesome. God. That's close. Uh, Mike McCaskey, Justin, tell us about a time where CrossFit was critical to your job. You, you, you ever um, have to deal with bad guys where like you're like, oh, thank God I, I'm I'm in shape? Yeah, I mean, any, stories? any, any like... So I'll give, I'll give you one story. I won't go into like true specifics for it, but it applies to what CrossFit does for me. Um, yeah. But it involves with a foot chase, right? So guys running from a house and jumping fences, and I'm on a parallel house jumping fences with them, and he jumps over a fence to the back, the house that's behind their house, jumps that fence, and as I'm coming around, I'm basically the house is in the center. He's on one side, I'm on the other. And in my head, I'm picturing like we're going to both run, and I'm gonna, there's just going to be this beaming shine of light coming down on him for me to just <laughs> right. 
because um, you know he this person was considered to be armed and dangerous and all this stuff. And so I round the corner and I don't see him. So I keep running around the house and he's trying to jump back on top of this fence to jump back over into the yard he had just jumped from. So he was doubling back. He knew that he he was going to try to do the okay. Yeah, he's doubling back. And so he's up there and that was just the green light for me to sprint as hard as I could without any slowing down and either in my head we were both going through this fence and cuz if this guy did have a gun, he wasn't going to pull it out on me. And so um Basically, after jumping all these fences and chasing this guy, still having enough energy to do a full-on sprint to then go hands-on, tackle the guy, bring him to the ground. Was he on the top of the fence still going over when you grabbed him? Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Did he even see you coming? Uh, I don't know. He he felt me coming when I hit him. <laughs> right, right, right. But because um, I'm, not, I'm not a relatively smaller guy either. Right. So, um, you know, we basically bounced off of the fence and then I turned and we went to the ground and then I basically had to just hold him in a position because the way that he fell, you know, I had his right arm and then my arm kind of grasping his torso and his left arm was just caught, um, in, on like on his waistband in between the ground and his body. So I'm just sitting there like, you know, and your heart's racing a million miles an hour at this point. Because you're thinking this guy could be armed and dangerous. The way that he's fallen now, I don't have control of his left arm. And it's like, okay, if what am I going to do if he pulls out a gun um, or a knife or whatever? Um, and so backup finally came around the corner and helped me. And he, he didn't have anything on him. Um, but it was like you look back at those where you're jumping over all these fences. You're in a foot chase after somebody, so your heart rate's going to spike no matter what. And then you're you're talking on the radio, you're coordinating with other people, and then you see them. You're wearing all that gear. You have a fucking weight vest on. Yep. You're wearing all that stuff. And then by the time you go hands-on with them, now you have to be in shape enough to still control yourself and control them so you you can stay safe. Um, it's all of these things um, where you look back and it's like, damn, dude, like CrossFit really does prepare you just for the job. Just – the general GPP program will really prepare you for a job like this. Um, and there's a bunch of instances like that hey, I can go through, but. Hey, so, so is that base? I, I was thinking about, does that start because you go to a house to get a bad guy and then they say the guy just runs like you knock on the door and you're like, police, we're looking for blah, blah, blah. And then you, you hear, you hear the back door open and close like in the movies and you're like, it's on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was a, this was like a planned operation. And so uh, PD had pulled up in the front. That guy obviously saw it and scurried out the back door, started jumping fences. Um, but we already had people in place to try and cut him off or eliminate him from escaping. Um, but yeah, stuff like that all the time. Where are you working out now? Where do you do most of your working out now? So I do a lot at, so on SWAT, we're pretty fortunate to be able to work out on duty. So in the mornings, um, you know, I work from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. So from like 7 to 9, I work out at the training center at the police department. And then at night, um, my wife and I, we 
got our own little home gym that's got so you don't have a training partner no i train by myself crazy yeah do you wish you had a training partner uh at times yeah Hmm. yeah those those are just those days where just like anything else you're just kind of unmotivated and it's a little easier to do when you have somebody else uh with you you know but that's part of it Hey, dude! Thanks for coming on this morning. Um, I, we'll be watching. I'm I'm pumped for you. I, I hope that um, not to put pressure on you, but I really do hope you make it to the games. But either way, I hope you uh, you you scratch that itch. It's going to be a crazy journey. Congratulations with getting hooked up with Matt and the HWPO team. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you for yeah, having. Me. Yeah, it sounds like you're around the right people. And uh, stay in touch. And thank you for everything you do. Thanks for getting bad guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Thank you. All right, brother. Have a good day. All right, you too. Justin doing, ladies and gentlemen. Cool. Yeah, fuck. What a cool dude. Chris Beasterfield, meth fit. I'm accepting five meth addicts. They're trying to figure out how perps were so athletic. Is it the meth or is it the adrenaline? So there's this there's this movie I made called Desert Runners. And these people would go, these people go and they run in the desert, I don't know, like 200 kilometers over a one week period or a two week period. I can't even remember. And the deserts are the four driest deserts in the world, the Atacama, the Gobi, the Sahara and Antarctica. And most people only run one desert. They just run one desert runners. Yeah, here's the movie. But there's some people, there's some people who want to run all four in one year. And that's like considered like the crown jewel of fucking ultra marathoning or whatever they call it racing and you have to carry all of your food with you it's it's wild right all your shit with you everything except your 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 well you're supposed to even carry your water with you but you can refill up on water every morning and every night but during the race you're totally sustained by your own shit and you can't in the whole race you can't get food from anyone or anything it's 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 a wild race anyway this is the crazy part I went on all four races in one year to make this documentary. And in the very first race of the year, I met this Asian dude from Australia. And he revealed to me that he's a meth addict. And the only reason why he's doing these races is to prove that you can be healthy and be on meth. Wow. And I wanted him to be a character in the movie so bad, but Jennifer didn't want him to be. That would be epic. What a crazy, uh, yeah, he was a crazy character, dude. I couldn't believe even when he told me. Did he make it? I did. I don't, to be honest, I don't remember. I do remember seeing him in Antarctica, which was the last race. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, are you still doing on meth? He goes, yeah. He was not only yeah. on meth, he was a meth dealer. He And he looked worse and worse every race. Like, uh, oh, my mom says this is a great documentary. Anyway, yeah, I uncovered a guy who was doing all four races. Um, he OD'd. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly think he I'm I don't know if I'm making this up, but I think I looked up his name like a year later or something, and he ended up going to jail or something. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, that was his whole thing. I go, why? Like, I would interview him, and his whole thing was is that he, he, 
he wanted to prove that meth wasn't bad. That's bizarre. Okay, off to tennis. Uh, thank you, everyone. Caleb, thank you. Uh, UFC tonight. Uh, oh, Ken. Hold on, Ken. Hold on. This one last thing. This has to be said. Uh, I have to go here. So I was ripping on Bryce Young for being short and Doug Flutie being just the shitty quarterback that everyone thought was going to be the greatest ever. And and I was telling Travis this, and he's like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. You don't know anything about football. But as everyone knows, I'm pretending like I know. I'm not even pretending. I'm, I, I think I know everything about football now. But Ken had to school the shit out of me on YouTube. I want to read it to you guys if I can find it. God, it's so good. It just tossed me up. Damn, where is that? Uh, Ken Walters. Do you do you see it? I'm in the comments looking. Maybe I we'll have to say it for another show. Here, Ken knows uh, so much cool shit about football. He even pointed out like a good. Uh, is it the thousands of NFL quarterbacks who would love to Doug, Doug Flutie? Oh yeah, yeah. Could you pull that up? I mean, yeah. he schooled me. He also pointed out a kicker that did tackling on the Raiders, who I think I kind of remember now that he mentioned it. Okay, Ken Walters. So I was saying Doug Flutie was a shit quarterback and he was too little. Thousands of NFL, and Ken Walters writes, thousands of NFL quarterbacks would have loved to have Doug Flutie's professional career, 21 seasons, 12 of those NFL. That's crazy. Right there, I'm like, I'm an idiot. 1998 Pro Bowler and NFL Comeback of the Year player. They would even kill for his nine-season uh, financial career in the CFL. Three Grey Cups, three MVPs, and CFL, HOF, whatever that is. I love Tyson. I want all the success in – oh, Hall of Fame. Thank you. Tyson, I want all the success in the world for him. But even if he has close to a fluty career, he will be very happy. Sevy, have to disagree with you. You're not even disagreeing with me. You're just ass-pounding me. I have to just take it. Sevy has to – have to disagree with you that Flutie was a disaster. Uh, John Madden said that the inch-for-inch Flutie is – in his prime was the best QB of his generation. That's amazing. Football historian Brad Ormolin's ranking of the best quarterbacks in history. Doug Flutie came in at 31 based on his performance in the NFL as well as his complete dominance of CFL for years. My God. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, th- I'm going to go punch myself in the face. Ken Walters, love you, buddy. you the man. Fact checked. And I believe that's a real fact checker. I think uh, Ken Walters, uh, I think I had one interaction with him. He says he has over a million uh, cards, like like cards like these Wad Zombies, like Colt Merton cards. Wow. All right, guys. Uh, talk to you, uh, I guess, tomorrow morning. Love you guys. Uh, bye-bye.